Good morning, Grace Place family, both here on campus and those of you who are watching us online. We're so glad that you're here and you're a part of today. God has something spectacular for us each time we come together and we open our hearts to him. Today I want to talk to you about the question that is the answer to most all questions that we ask. And uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to be looking at Job chapter 14. Uh, verse 5. So if you have your Bibles with you, Job chapter 14, verse 5, and then uh, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 15 and 16. We're going to be talking about time today and uh, the use of it, the wise use of it, and the question that will help us navigate through life most effectively and as Christians and believers to do as God has called us to do. And timely for us, as we get ready to enter a new year, uh, to be thinking through this and making preparations towards what God has in store for us. Eyes have not seen nor ears have heard, Scripture says, the things that God has prepared for the hearts of those that love Him. And so we have things around the corner we have no idea about, but this is our season to prepare, to get ready, and to ask the right questions. Job chapter 14 Beginning at verse 5, you found your place there? You have decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we will live. And we are not given a minute longer. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 15. Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So here is the question that I want to propose to you that I think will be the answer, or at least the navigation, for everything that you will question on a daily basis or any particular year or going forward, right? And that question is, what is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? Now, I want to add a little bit of context to that question so that before we move on and talk more about that so you have a, a better understanding of where we're going. What is the wise thing to do? So in light of my past experience, in light of my current circumstances, in light of uh, future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? To walk through this real quickly, in light of my past experiences, because yours are different from mine and mine are different from yours, right? In light of your current circumstances, in other words, what's going on around me right now? I'm employed, I'm not employed, I'm married, I'm single, I'm going into a crisis, I'm coming out of a crisis, I'm at ease, I'm comfortable, whatever the circumstance might be currently, and then in light of my future hopes and dreams, not what is the right thing and not what is the comfortable thing, but what is the wise thing for me to do? And again, we're talking about time, right? And here is the thing about time that you and I can all agree on, no matter where you are and what your circumstances are, no matter what has happened, no matter what you're looking at in light of your future, but here's something we can all agree on about time, right? You can overeat, you can overachieve, you can overspend, but you can't 
overlive, right? <laughs> At some point, the clock is done on our time on earth, and it's finished. So all of the things that we can overdo, we certainly can't overlive. More important than knowing what time it is, I think right now, is to know the, knowing what to do with the time that you have. The time that God has given you, making wise use of the moments that God has given you right now on earth. Most of us are old enough to be able to look back at seasons of our life and we can see these seasons of wasted time. Several years ago, I, I read Bob Buford's book on halftime, and it was illuminating to me to, to read through that, and, to, and it certainly is the case for how we live our lives. And what he did was he kind of did a, a comparison to a football game, and there are four quarters in a football game, and he talked about the four quarters of our life, and in that first and second quarter, we have a lot of energy, we're young, we're youthful, we're running around, we're doing a lot of things, and we're hitting things hard, and, and we're making a lot of noise, but we're not necessarily making a big impact. And he talked about the, when we go in for halftime, and we, we are looking at the midpoint of our life and going forward, we readjust things, and we learn to, to work smarter rather than harder. We learn to make wiser use of the time that God has given us. And, and we learn that time, we learn a lot about time in that, that first and second quarter that it just speeds by. And as we are sitting in halftime and preparing for the, the last two quarters of our life, we definitely will come out of there saying, I want to be more effective with the moments that God has given me, the time that I have. We only have a limited amount of it. And so we ask the question, what is the wise thing to do with my time in light of my past, in, in light of my present, and in light of the future. What is the wise thing for me to do? Christians believe that we really don't own anything. We are only stewards of that which we have. And, and we are pretty good as Christians, I think, a lot of times in stewarding some of the things that we uh, think through and understand that God has given us. Stewarding, you know, the, 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 the possessions that God has given us, our car and our home, and, and uh, we're grateful for that as Christians. We believe God's given us those things. We steward our resources. We, we give offerings and tithe, and, and we, we use the finances and resources that God's placed in our hands, mostly wisely, and we're trying to accomplish understanding that we're taking none of that with us, right? We have the big picture as a Christian that, you know, when uh, there's no U-Hauls at the funeral home, that, you know, whatever we've accumulated gets dispersed and passed on and left behind. And as Job said, I came into the world naked and I leave the world naked. There really is nothing that we are able to take with us. We are stewards of all the things that God has given us. Now, one of the most important gifts, though, that I think we don't think often enough about as Christians is the gift of time that God has given us. And we don't steward time as well as we should. So I want to make four observations today about time with you. Four observations about time, all right? First of all, the first observation is investing small amounts of time over time is cumulative. Investing small amounts of time over time is cumulative. 
consistent deposits over time, they add up. And if you work uh, out uh, one time in your life and you go to the gym and you just really like, you know, you just put in a good hour there, you're sweating and, and uh, you know, you wake up the next day, muscles are sore and things like that, you know, and, and you don't do it again for weeks or months, no one is going to come up to you and say, you are amazing, you worked out, right? But if you work out even lesser amounts of time, 30 minutes, maybe a day uh, for three times a week or something, and, and within a month or two, you're going to have somebody come up to you and say, what are you doing different? You look great. You look awesome. Looks like you've lost some weight. You're putting on some muscle. Uh, what are you doing? And this is the, the cumulative fact of, of doing little things consistently over time, right? People will notice. The second thing about time that I would point out is that neglect is also cumulative. <laughs> neglect is cumulative. In other words, whatever we fail to do is cumulative in our life as well. Now, several years ago, uh, they, you know, unfortunately, I have a name on our block now. They used to come regularly when we first moved in. The Jehovah's Witness would come and see me, but they've got my name now on some kind of list. They don't come anymore. They just pass our house and they knock on other doors, right? But when they were coming, I would always invite them in and we would have biblical discussions and talk about, and often this was the, the exchange at the end of it. One or, one or the other would get up and say, you know, Thank you for inviting us in, having us in today. How do you know so much about the Bible? How do you know so much about this book? How do you know you, 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 don't, you didn't have one sitting in front of you? You knew where passages were and things were going on. And it is the cumulative effect of reading God's Word and studying God's Word over time. But they had been knocking on the doors of people who were believers, but were neglecting the Word of God. And so that was also cumulative. And so they were able to point to things with them, and they didn't even realize those passages existed or how to defend Scripture appropriately. So neglect is also cumulative, right? How do you know so much about the Bible? The answer is you read it and you study it regularly. You have that as a part of your daily life pattern, your weekly life pattern, monthly life pattern. And the result is you can begin to understand and know more about the Word of God to be able to share with others, right? Neglect, you know, though, is very easy, isn't it? But it does show up. Neglect is easy. It is also costly. And it, is, it, it, it reflects over time whatever we have neglected and, uh, with our time. The third thing about time is that random has no cumulative value. My mom used to put it this way. She would, there was a saying, and many of you are familiar with this saying, and listen, I was um, probably in my late 20s before I realized that there is a non-Christian version of what I'm about to say, okay? Um, I only knew the Christian version of this uh, statement, so today, help me finish it with the Christian version, right? Not the world version, okay? My mom would say to me, when we would come up constantly, you know, asking for something, she would say, want in one hand. You guys have heard this before? And the Christian version is spit in the other hand, okay? So, 
<laughs> help me say it the Christian way. Okay, want in one hand, spit in the other, and see which one fills up the fastest, right? And my mom was teaching me a lesson when I was young about how just expecting, randomly expecting some kind of thing to happen, some lottery to take place in my life, was, was uh, unpredictable and unlikely. But if I was to put the work in and the effort in, that I would see great results from that. And I learned early on that putting effort in and, and working uh, would, would pay off. And, and just waiting around and hanging around, hoping something random would happen, uh, usually meant wasting time. Nothing happened, right? The fourth thing about time that I want you to understand is that in areas that matter the most, you can't make up for misspent time. In areas that matter the most for your life, you cannot make up for misspent time. You can't pull an all-nighter and get misspent time fixed, right? Uh, you know, not like when we were in college and, you know, you didn't study, you know, all, you know, the, all semester long and then, the, you know, the finals are coming and, you know, you're just dragging along and you realize, man, I, I've got to put in an all-nighter and try to pass this test if I get a good grade on this test, I'll at least get through this and, and I'll make it through and I can, you know, do something, uh, take different classes, easier classes next semester around. But so we'd pull these all-nighters and drinking coffee and study and pounding the books and trying to really, you know, learn and memorize and get things uh, down. And, and sure enough, you know, you do well enough that you got to see on that final and that helps you. And you're so excited because you're running around, you know, your dorm room saying C's get degrees, C's get degrees. And you're just so excited, you know, that you've actually been able to get through it, right? But what I've discovered and what you've discovered about the things that are most important in our life, we can't make up for that misspent time. And as a pastor, I've been by the bedside of so many who uh, have, you know, are, are passing from this life to the next. And I have never heard uh, people say, you know, I, I wish that I had done better on my English test, you know, and studied better. But I have heard people say that they wish they spent more time with their family. They wish that they had said they were sorry, apologized for something they did wrong. They, they wanted to, to let me know that they had forgiven someone they were harboring hurt and hurt feelings against and those kinds of things. And, and that is mis, uh, misspent time that they can't get back. And standing on the precipice of eternity, they, they realize that that opportunity is all gone. It's vanished. Ephesians, Paul said, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, uh, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Time is so valuable that God wants us to, to make the maximum out of it. God wants us to get the very most out of every moment that we have. You can't hoard it up. You can't, you can't buy extra time. You can't borrow some from your neighbor. Uh, you just get what you have and, and what's allotted to you. And so God wants the very best for your life as a result of that. Job explained it this way. He said, you have decided the length of our lives, God. You know how many months we will live, and we are not given a minute longer. You know, and, and that's a part of, of our Christian walk in faith, too, which carries us through uh, seasons like we have come through, like pandemics and things like that, 
we recognize that our life is in God's hands. We don't want to live foolishly. We don't want to, to do things that would, uh, would jeopardize our good health and things like that. But at the same time, we are also not walking fearfully in it. We understand that from the beginning, God assigned a time that our life began and a time that that will end. And what we want to do is make the most out of this time that God has given to us. God wants us to get the full of our life. He wants us to get the very most out of it. Some of you may have thought and grown up thinking that God wanted to take all the fun out of your life. You may have heard early on that you're not supposed to drink, smoke, or chew, or hang out with people who do, and, and you focused on the don'ts and the things that were not going to, you shouldn't do, and, and uh, so you came, out to, you came to believe that God's not interested in you having fun in life, enjoying life, and those kinds of things, and nothing could be further from the truth. God wants you to get maximum out of every single moment that He's given you. God wants you to experience the, the best life has to offer. God wants to, to, to bless your life. He wants to take care of you. Yes, we're going to go through seasons of trial where God is breaking off some rough edges and, and developing us and making us more like Him. He wants us to be moldable, pliable in His hands, surrendered to what He wants to accomplish. But even in those seasons, Paul talked about the fellowship of, with God is so intimate in suffering that, that Paul said, I love it. I love the fellowship of suffering with, with God. I get closer to Him when I need Him. When things are not going right, I learn about Him. As, as Amanda was saying earlier, you know, we come to know uh, the God that is faithful, the God that is consistent, the God that is certain that's going to take care of, of us when we go through difficulties and trials, right? And we're going, everything's good, and it's, it's all going great. You know, we don't trust God as deeply, but we get real roots down in the ground when we go through difficult times, and we find the faithfulness of God raining down on us, the love and the grace of God and His mercy. Where do you need to begin making consistent deposits of your time? In light of your past experiences, in light of your current circumstances, in light of your future calling, where do you need to start making consistent investments in your time? I want to give you just five today that I think are important. Here are the beginning places for incremental investments in time. First of all, I would encourage you as we're approaching a new year to get a spiritual growth plan. Get a spiritual growth plan for your life, it needs to include daily talking to God. Daily talking to God. And I'm not so much interested in the, the quantity of that time that you would set aside as I am the quality of your attention when you invite God in. If it's only two or three minutes in the morning of intimate time with God and then periodically checking in over the course of the day, but it is quality in the sense of connecting and worshiping Him and loving Him. Take time and make sure that's a part of your spiritual growth and development plan. Secondly, daily Bible study. Daily Bible study, it's different from opening up and having a devotion. It's digging into God's Word. 
And sometimes it's, you know, we have so many resources available to us today, uh, books, and, and we have, the, through the internet, we can listen to great preachers and ministers and teachers. I have three or four podcasts a week that I listen to and that feed my spirit and encourage me. And I just go through God's Word, and there are times that something pops out, and that becomes a study. That might last for a month, or two months, or six months, or a year. But it's something that pops out, of, that's, that seems important, that I really want to understand, and I really begin to dig in. Sometimes it's only a day or two, and I can get to a the, to the, uh, better understanding for myself of what it is. But study God's Word. Bible classes, we offer them from time to time here. There are many opportunities for us to, to advance and to learn more about God's Word. Church attendance is so pivotal. I remember years ago uh, in, a, in a setting where uh, Pastor Jack Hayford was, and I was reminded again uh, not too terribly long ago by his daughter when I was finishing uh, my master's uh, of, of this same story, because I, I remember him telling it, but there was a young man uh, who came to him, and of course, at this point, their church was about 5,000 people, and this young man says, I believe God has told me that you're supposed to be my mentor, you know? And uh, so you can imagine trying to mentor 5,000 people, you know, and, and one guy coming up and saying, I need a lot of your time every week, you know, come and, and just spend time with me. And so Jack Hayford challenged him, he said, I, I will agree to that if you'll agree to this. This is how we're going to mentor Every, they had three services, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. He said, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I want you sitting right there. I want you taking notes. I want you listening closely. And this is how we're gonna, you're going to get mentored. This young man uh, grew up. He started when he was about 16, 17. By the time he was 20, he started a ministry that launched out that had powerful impact. God has used him greatly over the years. Uh, and, and made a great impact, but his mentoring came through church attendance. He came, he listened to God's word, he learned, he grew, he developed into the, the, the believer that God wanted him to be. Fourth, and let's, another one here is empower a spiritual mentor in your life. Empower people to, to speak into your life the truth, to tell you, to encourage you, to lift you up, to counsel with you. To answer questions that might come along. Empower someone to be a spiritual mentor. My whole life, there have been people in my life that I call on uh, to, to mentor. When I have questions, I need, to, need information. I, I want to know. Uh, I need some encouragement. There are people who are mentors in my life. And invest in tools that are going to help your spiritual growth. Uh, the investment of, of, of things that are going to help you develop and encourage you in your faith walk with God. If, you're, if you, you want your marriage to be better, invest in learning how to have a better marriage, right? Read books. Go to seminars. Do things that are going to, to help you grow and be the very best that God's called you to be. Second one here is to get out of debt and live responsibly. So first, a spiritual growth plan includes all those things we listed. But second, get out of debt and live responsibly financially. Debt is a time stealer. You've heard the saying, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. <laughs> Whenever we are in debt, we are no longer commanding hours of our day. Someone else is commanding hours of our day, right? And the more we get free of debt, 
the more we get our time back in order to be able to do the things that we believe God has called us to do and purposed us to do. Number three, further your education, you know, uh, on, uh, in, in, and, and to open doors uh, for your life. As, as we learn more, as we get more educated, it's going to open opportunities for us. Do that for your work. Do that uh, in, 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 in the sense of, of, you know, learning biblically and educating yourself so that you have better and more opportunities to do the things that God has called you to do. Number four, get in physical shape. Get healthy. Get healthy. Get to where you are physically healthy and able to do and have the strength to do the things that God's called you to do. My son and, and uh, daughter-in-law are down, and, and he's always reminding us, and it's, yeah, we need to be reminded. And he's like, you know, Dad, you know, I want you guys to be healthy because we're going to have uh, kids, and we're bringing these grandkids around, and, and we have two grandkids already. We can't wait to get more. We love them. And, uh, but they want us to be, have enough energy in order to spend time with them, to go and do the things that we, we want to do with them. So Allison and I, that's our oldest granddaughter, you know, we will we'll have days that I call her up and I say, today's a road trip. So I was so excited, we're going to take a road trip, and we just go all over, you know, it's my day off and her day off, and we'll hang out and we'll go all kinds of places and do all kinds of things and uh, enjoy the day together, right? And um, so... My son's reminding me, I want you to exercise, Dad. I want you to eat right. I want you to be healthy because, uh, you know, God's got plans for you all the way until the finish of life when he says you're done. So we need to get healthy. And the last one is pursue people who are succeeding for God and learn from them. You know, uh, Elisha was pursuing Elijah. Because Elijah was successful, and he was accomplishing great things for God. And it wasn't the person that he was after, because it tells us in Scripture, he was after the spirit of the Father that was on Elijah. When you're pursuing people that are succeeding and doing great things, don't, don't get caught up in the celebrity thing, right? Uh, you know, don't, don't get raptured in, in the celebrity of those individuals, people who are uh, singers, uh, worship leaders, uh, great singers that, that record and we look up to and we think, man, they, what a great voice and how anointed they are, uh, preachers and teachers and those things. We're not really after that person because believe me, they're flawed, right? I know me, I've looked in the mirror plenty of times, we're all flawed, right? But we're after the anointing of God that's on their lives. And that's why you want to pursue people. You want to learn how they uh, are, are welcoming the anointing of God and His presence and, and, and developing as a leader. I loved spending time when I had that season around Jack Hayford. I learned so much about how to pray, how to pursue God, how to treat brothers and sisters in Christ, how to lead there were so many lessons that came out of that, and he's one, one of the great pastoral leaders. And learning how to, to, to pastor from someone like that is, is awesome. But it was really not him personally, but the spirit and anointing of God that was on him that I was after. Let some of that Jesus fall down on me, that I might be a more effective pastor, 
that I might be a more effective leader, that I might love like you want me to love, that I might live like you want me to live. Let some of that just fall off and just, just happen, you know, to, to, I would be there as you decide to transfer some of that great anointing that's on these great leaders into my life as I pursue the Spirit of the Father that's on them. Amen? Where do you need to be making consistent deposits of your life? Have you thought about that? I'm going to suggest that it's probably not social media. You know, <laughs> it's probably, there are probably a lot of things that we're doing um, that are uh, not the best use of our time. I'm not telling you to have no fun and have no recreation, right? I'm telling you to take those things and, and, and watch how much of your time is being expended at those. How much of your energy, how much of the best of you is going to those things? And get a boundary around it, all right? Here is a season, here's a piece of time that I'm going to use for personal enjoyment, refreshing, that kind of thing. Here's time that I'm going to work to develop and be the person that God has called me to be. In light of your current circumstances, in light of the season that you are living in right now, what is the best use of your time? What is the wise thing for us to do? And, and that question comes now as we're entering 2021 for us as a church. What is the wise thing for us to do as a church with a season that is approaching in 2021? 2020 has left a sting on all of us. We learned about isolation. We learned way too much about online church. We learned about masks and social distancing. And if we're not careful, what the enemy wants to bring out of a lot of this is he wants us to view humanity as a bag of germs. If we're not careful, we will see others as potential infection rather than to be able to love. That's not what God wants. How are we going to come out of this as a church in light of where we are right now as a church? What are the wise thing for us to be doing? Making regular time deposits in the mission that Jesus has given us. What is the wise thing to do? Neglect is, is not an option for us. There are wise decisions that everyone in this room needs to make, and those of you who are listening online, there are wise decisions you need to make about your God time, about family time, about personal health time, about financial planning time, about answering the call of God time on your life, about being a part of the body of Christ time. There are questions that you need to answer. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back. This morning, what I want us to do is, is to take action. Take action in the moving forward, in, in uh, putting and committing every moment of our time into the hands of God and making full surrender. God, in so many ways, we're going to say, I've been leading my life the way I want to lead my life. And I have not thought as much about my time as I have about other things. I've thought about giving. I've thought about volunteering, but I really haven't thought a lot about the value of my time and, and the, the limits on it and, and how wisely I've been using it. And I haven't been making incremental deposits in my kids and so that they will love God and, and he'll be passionate about Him. I've been making incremental deposits in my own life and developing as a, as a believer and growing up 
I don't answer the door when the Jehovah's Witness knock because I don't feel as good about this as I feel like they feel good about knowing what's in this book. And so I don't, I don't open that door. I don't welcome them in because I haven't incrementally been placing this book in my heart. David, the king and the psalmist said, Lord, your word I hide in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's so important that we incrementally begin to do the things that God's called us to do because they cumulative over time, they build up and they make a great man of God, a great woman of God when we make wise decisions about our moments and our time. I want to ask you to stand with me. We're going to pray together. Today, Lord, where we're standing is our altar. It's our place, Lord, that we are making full surrender to you. We are recognizing afresh by your Holy Spirit as you are illuminating it to us what we need to do next. Lord, where we need to begin. We certainly need a spiritual growth plan. And we don't have that in place. That's why we're not growing. That's why we're not maturing in you. That's why we don't know as much today about your word to feel confident, to use it for our lives and to share it with those that are around us. But God, you're challenging us by your Holy Spirit. And today, this is our altar of surrender where we stand right now. It's the place that we say, God, we belong to you wholly and completely. And Lord, as a church coming out of 2020 and all the challenges that have, we have faced here, not only with the pandemic, but with social justice movement and all of these things and trying to square everything with the Word of God. We have um, been impacted by this. Lord, we have been um, devastated in some instances. Some, some have gone through job loss and and Lord, friendships that have broken because someone has a different opinion, different idea, different belief. And so we are limping in some respects because we're wounded, we're hurt. And we wanna come out of this recognizing that the change is gonna happen as we cumulatively make deposits. Lord, over time, these incremental deposits on a daily basis that are gonna grow us up and help us to be more like you. They're gonna heal us. They're gonna help us to be effective. We're not going to uh, cave in and give in, Lord, to depression and discouragement and, and loss, but we're going to reach to you and we're gonna worship and let you fill us with joy and with hope and with promise and with purpose right now. And we're asking you, God, to help us make a new beginning, a fresh beginning. And as we do, Lord, we surrender our lives completely to you. Just take a moment and just surrender to him. If you feel comfortable, lift your hands up, worship him. Lord, this is a sign of surrender, the raising of our hands. We surrender our lives to you. We give ourselves wholly and completely to you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We want to do what is wise in your sight. Recognizing, Lord, that you have already decided how many days we will be on the earth. Let them be impactful for your kingdom and for your glory. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship him in song. 